Hey, it's Anne, and this is Are We There Yet? I wanted to add a little intro um, today because I want to dedicate this episode to my dear friend Viv Trimble Wine, who died very suddenly earlier this month. I am so sad, and I've been thinking a lot about her family and her kids and how I can best support them from afar. And to support myself through this, I've been listening to her music, and I'm so grateful she was a musician who has a lot of recorded music out, uh, who has a lot of recorded music out, and I can hear her voice, which is such a powerful connection to make. Um, she had an amazing voice. It's really not like any other voice I can think of. And when I hear her sing, I feel like I can hear her speaking voice too. And it's just such a lovely way for me to feel like I'm saying goodbye, which I didn't get to do. Um, you know, we often don't get that opportunity and that's the theme of my interview today. <clears throat> Another theme is friendship and how grief brings us together. Um, but the interview on today's episode is with another dear friend, my friend Raquel, whose mother died of breast cancer like mine did. And so I sort of bent the rules a bit to talk to her because she was a little older when her mom died, but um, she was young when she was diagnosed. She was still a teenager um, when that happened. And as I've mentioned, um, diagnosis is often another trauma that represents really the beginning of many grief experiences. Um, but another reason I wanted to talk to Raquel is because I wanted to talk about how um, our friendship has benefited from our early grief experiences. So this episode is dedicated to my friend Viv, an incredible mother and partner and artist, and to all that she left behind, including the mark she left on this podcast because it was her idea to have Josephine do the music. And without her influence, that would never have happened. So thank you, Viv. And here's the episode. Hi, I'm Ann Faison, and this is Are We There Yet? Understanding Adolescent Grief. Today, my guest is another dear friend, Raquel London, who I met because our kids were in the same kindergarten classroom. And we only knew each other really in passing until a beach party when we sat down next to each other and discovered we'd both lost our mothers at a young age. And I remember feeling this like immediate bond with you, Raquel, and talking for a long time that day while our kids were running around on the beach. And I feel like we've been pretty good friends ever since. So Likewise. welcome, Raquel. <laughs> Thank you. Well, yeah. So um, how old were you when your mom died? I just want to like give some background on that. And, and what stands out to you about the early part of your, of that loss? Mm. I was 20, 
25 or 26. Mm -hmm. I want to say 26. Mm -hmm. What stands out the most is mm, there was nature everywhere. Hmm. In what, in what way? Like, that's so intriguing. What do you mean there was nature everywhere? The day that she passed, I wasn't in the room with her. And so when I came back in the room and realized that she had passed, I just remember being very in tune to seeing a chipmunk outside climbing the tree because there were windows in my mother's mm. room. I could hear mm. the birds. All of that was crystal clear. Mm. And That's I'm amazing. just now thinking about that right now. Mm. That's so, amazing. So you were in a hospital? No, uh, okay. my mother, she passed at home. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. And um, was it a long illness? What were the circumstances? Uh, my mother had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And I want to say it was about 10 years. Mm. Unfortunately, I was in high school and didn't grasp the magnitude of what cancer meant and what was happening. And so when it got to the point to where chemotherapy no longer was an option because there was nothing more that could be done, that's when it really started to sink in as far as what was happening. Mm-hmm. So you were only 16 when she was diagnosed. Correct. And, Correct. And and go ahead. No, I'm sorry. You go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to ask about that. So you were 16 and you said you didn't really grasp the magnitude of it. Can you remember like how did she tell you or was it told to you by someone else? Or like, how did you get that news? Did you remember anything around like receiving that news and what you thought at the time? Yes. Um, mm -hmm. She had surgery and she okay. had um, one of her breasts were removed mm -hmm. and a lump was taken out of the other. So mm -hmm. that was my introduction to my mother has cancer. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I was completely overwhelmed by the scar. Hmm. Wow. We've never talked about this, but yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I think this may have been part of what our early, that first conversation we had on the beach was not just that both our mothers had died, but that they had both died of breast cancer. Um, and I remember, yeah, I was a little younger. I was 10, but I, I too remember being really frightened by the scar. Um, and by just having a mom who was now not whole, you know? Mm. And so, but you were 16, so you were at a different age. You were more like 
had probably an active social life and you were busy with school. Like what, what else was going on in your life when that happened? I'm trying to think. Um, I have a brother who was born prior to my mother having her surgery for breast mm. cancer. So oh, that okay. was a huge joy in all of our lives, in my entire family's life. So she had him just before her diagnosis? She did. She sure did. Mm. And yeah, just back up a little and tell me your whole family structure. Um, like who, how many other siblings did you have? What was, was your father there? What was the whole structure of your family at that point? Okay. So at that point it was, it, well, growing up, it had always been my mom, me and my brother. Hmm. And then she remarried mm, when I was probably about six, seventh grade. Mm -hmm. And then came act, uh, my stepdad. And then um, right around that same, I want to say within that same year, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, my brother was born. Hmm. So it must have been about 16 was when my brother was born. And then I want to say within the end of the year or that following year, she had a mastectomy on one side. Right. And your other brother, the one that you grew up with, was he older than you or younger or close younger. to age? Okay. Mm -hmm. We're very close in age. We're almost like a year apart, oh, okay. if that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. And did you, I mean, this, I've never asked you this. I didn't even know this whole story, but I'm just curious at 16, um, did you at all experience the birth of your, um, you know, your new brother, like as a loss of your mom, like, well, now she's going to be paying all her attention to this child or were you just filled with joy? Filled with joy. Hmm. Um, I heard the news uh, secondhand, which made me sad. Um, mm. And I fought with verbally with a friend saying, because she said, your mom is having a baby. And I said, my mom is not having a baby. <laughs> and I remember we had this back and forth and I was adamant. You don't know what you're talking about. And yes, my mother was having a baby. She was pregnant. Mm. Yeah, that's that. That's that's not fun when your friend tells you that your mother's pregnant. Right. How did she know? Exactly, her godmother. She uh. lived with her godmother at the time, and I. That's I'm assuming how she found out. Hmm. I to this day, I really don't know. I think I kind of blocked some of it out because I was, I, I did feel hurt that sure. I found out someone else and not my mom. I was angry as well. Yeah. Was there a reason why your mom hadn't told you yet, you think? Or did you ever talk to her about it? Nope. Nope. And I, and I'm sure I went home to say, mom, <laughs> what is going on? Here? Uh -huh. <laughs> 
So that sounds so intense to have your mom diagnosed, have surgery and have a brand new baby in the house. Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk about as a 16 year old, like how did you sort of respond to that? Were you around a lot? Were you helping? Were you out of the house, busy with friends, I was getting into trouble? I what were you doing? <laughs> oh, all of that. I was uh -huh. getting into trouble. Um, I was helping out. And she, uh, my brother was born prior to my mother having surgery. And mm. yeah, it, it, it was very joyous. Uh, we were very happy um, to have him. Mm. And so, um, but sounds like her breast cancer went into remission after that, or how was the it, journey? Well, my mother was extremely private. And for a long time, I was upset. I didn't understand why she was so private about her journey. Mm. And over time, and after my own diagnosis, mm -hmm. I realized and was able to respect her privacy. I knew she had surgery and I knew that that was from cancer, but I think I just didn't want to deal. I, I didn't want to face it. Yeah. So I really didn't push or ask a lot of questions and because she was very private about it mm -hmm. that made it easy to not talk about it it made it very easy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. yeah i have thought a lot about yeah your own journey with breast cancer and having had a mom who had it um that's got to be have brought up a lot for you when you were diagnosed um but just sticking with when you were younger, like, and um, I mean, you know, like most cancer journeys, it sort of comes and goes, there's a new test done and it comes up somewhere else. And then you have to deal with that. Was it that sort of up and down journey over those 10 years or was she really in remission for most of it? Uh, for most of it, she was in remission. Oh, wow. Um, I remember there was a couple, maybe, I remember one time that stuck out and because I was busy also um, hanging out with my friends, staying at my friend's house, really not around mm -hmm. at times. But I remember this one time she was pretty frantic and she needed to go to the hospital and I just couldn't figure out why she felt so frantic about it, but because mm -hmm. It was easier for me not to look at the totality of what was happening. That just really stood out that she was very um, anxious and, and was needing to get to the hospital. And I just remember her and my stepdad went in a ambulance and I was just kind of mind boggled by it. Mm. Yeah. How old do you think you were then? Good question. Maybe around 18, 19. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Around. That's so familiar to me. I had, I had similar experiences where, um, you know, I mostly put my mom's illness out of my mind and then something would happen like 
I'd find out, oh, your mom's back in the hospital or, oh, we, they did some tests and they found cancer in her brain or, you know, and you just be kind of hit with this, the reality of it again, which you were busy trying to, you know, avoid. <laughs> so it was right. a kind of a, it was always sort of a like, wait, what? Um, yeah. Kind of, kind of response and an ambulance coming to the house. I imagine that would be, um, yeah, pretty dramatic, pretty shocking, pretty confusing for a, you know, for a teenager. Yeah. And very much so. And because I also had this, uh, I want to say rebellious heart. I re also remember she had came home from having surgery and I thought that was the best time to take the car because she had to rest. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. I've spent a good portion of my life forgiving myself and I spent the rest of my mother's life making it up to her that I would do such a thing. So you took the car and what? Me and my girlfriend, we thought, got in the car because we wanted to go and, you know, where all the kids were at and hang out and have a great time. And yes, I took the car without mm. permission. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I can still see my mother and my stepfather in the rear view mirror. Oh, yeah. Whoa. So they saw you right. take it. And I still. You kept going. <laughs> I mean, the image of that is so great. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank goodness I have forgiven myself and I. My mother loved me unconditionally. Thank goodness. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, like in that moment, the way I would see it is like, you know, it's not just thoughtlessness. I mean, there's some thoughtlessness, which is common in any teenager is going to be kind of thoughtless about that sort of thing. But um, I think also when you're going through something like that, you are looking for ways to draw attention to yourself. Like, Hey, I matter. And you know, if you don't pay attention to me, I'm going to do something like take the car, you know? I mean, do you feel like there was any of that in there? Like subconsciously mm -hmm. trying to get attention or trying to, you know, make them realize like, Hey, yeah. this is, this is not easy. You know? Yeah. That's a good point. I, I didn't even think about the attention part. Mm. Definitely. I thought about escaping, getting away, running away. Yeah. Yeah. Escape was a big one for me. I think it is for most teenagers who mm -hmm. are dealing with. with and this. a lot of selfishness. Uh, mm -hmm. I really wanted to hang out with my friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I was the same and I did feel guilty about that for a long time because I, I sort of didn't have much of a relationship with my mom by the time she died. Cause I was so busy running away, but you know, with hindsight, I just think I was trying in a way it was self-preservation in a way I was just doing things that made me feel good and escaping, which I needed to do. And, you know, um, and being self-centered, which is totally normal at that age, you know. Completely. Yeah. <laughs> Completely yeah. self-centered. <laughs> yeah. And thank you for that being normal at that age because 
yeah, um, took me a long time to overcome mm. that Feeling. experience and what I had done and the guilt. Mm -hmm. um, how could you do that? And did she, what did she, did you get in big trouble for that? Was she angry? Like, how did she respond? Mm, you know, when I came back, I, it was pretty normal. I don't remember her being very upset. They probably made sure that the keys were nowhere <laughs> near where I could get to them. After that. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's so um, funny. Wow. And thank you for that question, because it also um, brings up for me how supportive my mom and my stepdad were around the vehicles. Mm. They more so all the time gave me access. So when they were like, no, I rebelled and took the car anyway. Mm. Um, even after that, they were very generous. Hmm. And did you need a car to get anywhere? How, how, I mean, I know you grew up in Seattle, but were you mm -hmm. kind of in the suburbs or were you in, in more where you could get around? I was in the city. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was actually my own car. I had went to college down in, um, California and attended a university for one year. And then I came back. And I don't know if that was the only car or what the issue was. Mm -hmm. So I did feel some type of ownership, like, you know, this is my car. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. That's funny. No, I think it was very justified. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so throughout that period were there i mean was your relationship with your stepdad pretty strong like did you feel like there were adults you could talk to about what was going on with your mom um i know you said she was pretty private but like were there mm -hmm. other adults that you felt like sort of saw you know you and gave you space to be um you know expressing your feelings or supporting mm -hmm. you on an emotional level did you feel mm -hmm. that unfortunately nah no mm -hmm. um because my mother um came into her new marriage with children she felt and how do i say this um she didn't want my brother and I to be a burden on her new husband. So she really took on, these are my children. Um, and not that my stepdad couldn't, you know, uh, give support or, or, or we have this relationship, but she just didn't want to feel that we were a, a, a hindrance or a burden. So she was more so my brother and I's parent mm -hmm. Girl, you got me over here looking up at these beautiful birds there's like one two three four five and they're way up there mm. yeah that's so interesting that you said that you remember the day your mom died and that you just noticed what was happening outside the window all the animals and birds and stuff Mother Nature has been a saving grace in my life for many, many years. Growing up in 
Seattle, full of nature, beautiful trees and lakes and rivers and water uh, mm. and blackberry bushes uh, has really grounded me from a very, very young age. Going camping with my grandfather, um, mm. blackberry picking at the crack of dawn with my grandmother using broomstick to pull through the vines to get to the blackberries. It was just a, a, a real part of um, my growing up and just being in my backyard, just full of trees and bushes. I mean, that sounds like so, um, so healing, so, you know, rejuvenating to be able to connect with nature in that way, especially throughout your childhood. I'm so thankful. Hmm. And what about, um, what about your faith, your faith in God going to church? Like, did those things also feel very supportive and helpful to you as you were um, dealing with the various losses? Yes. I came from praying women um, who had a strong faith in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that Jesus um, was a redeemer and the Prince of Peace, and that being born again was real. And that carried me, but I had tremendous, tremendous question marks. And so as I continued to grow and to educate myself and to continue to be faithful, I've learned so much and I'm so thankful because at that time I had to just trust in knowing, even though I had question marks, but I just knew. Hmm. through my grandmother and through my mother's practice of prayer and faith. Hmm. Yeah, that seems like such a gift. Um, that is something I really did not have, and I had to kind of figure it out on my own much later. Um, but I have always thought like it must, it would have been so helpful to me as a young person to have, um, but yeah, a kind of a trust and belief that there was something bigger happening and that I would be okay, you know? Now, I didn't feel like I was okay. I, I felt like the sun would never shine again in my life. And it was my mother who told me while she was in hospice to keep my head up because I, I, had, I, I didn't realize that I was walking with my head down. Mm. I was overwhelmed with grief because she was, she was dying. Mm. And you recognize that you were old enough to really see that sounds like. Yes. Yes. Mm. And I just recall there was a time period where I wasn't there. And so when I was down I was in California, she was in Seattle. I was able to rush back and, and see what was going on and how could I support and how could I be there before it got 
all the way terminal, terminal. And so when you went back, did you stay for long or was it? Uh, I stayed briefly Mm -hmm. and then I went back to California. I told my husband, I only get one mom Mm. and we have to go to Seattle. Mm. And thank goodness he supported my decision and we moved up to Seattle when my mother got, when she got real sick. Well, probably before, well, hmm, because she was private and I had flew up to Seattle one time before because she had a surgery that she didn't tell me about. And so when I found out about it, I rushed up. So I was able to be there and check in and, you know, and we would go up to Seattle like every summer, you know. And so all of a sudden she, it was really bad. And I, I don't even know how I found out. Um, and I can't even say like it was just because someone needed to tell me I was aware that she was sick, but it kind of went downhill pretty quickly. And she came down to California and visited me. And it was maybe only from, I don't recall what time of the year it was, but I know we were in Seattle that summer. So when she came down and I was able to see she was dying, I could see it Mm. in her face. Mm. And when I would have conversations with her, she would usually be talking a lot or talking with me. And there just came a time where she was quiet. Mm. And, and that also gave me an indication. Mm. something was up something was going on Mm. you think she had kind of let go in a way or it was she had she was sort of moving into this other reality absolutely the cancer was definitely taking over her body Mm. spreading throughout her body Mm. and she may have so she she may have been in a lot of pain absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely and i recall with my own journey how much energy it would take to talk Mm -hmm. and sometimes you just had to reserve that energy uh, because you needed it to move yeah yeah and push through Mm. Raquel this is intense (laughs) going back (laughs) going back to these really painful memories. I appreciate it because it's, it's really, uh, I mean, I'm in tears and it just, it's so moving to hear you talk about um, that. And also I think you're, I can hear in your voice and I'm feeling it too, like the gratitude that you have for having that time with her, for recognizing what she needed if she wasn't even if she wasn't going to ask for it and being able to move up there and be with her and all of that, like that's all stuff that um, I'm sure you're, um, I'm sure you're so grateful for, and I would be too, you know? Yeah. Every every single moment 
Yeah. I'm over here crying. Yes. Just such gratitude, you know, um, to have had such a, a powerful presence yeah. as my mother in my life. I remember she took a bath. <laughs> <laughs> she took a bath. I want to say it was, and it had to been like a day or two before she passed. And I went to help her. And she said, if you don't get out of my way and give me my dignity, mm. <laughs> my grandmother and my mother, you knew when they spoke, you better get out the way if they tell you move. Mm. And I watched her. I watched her lift herself up and get out of the tub. Mm. And to this day, it just gives me so much strength. And these tears are such tears of joy and gratitude. Mm. Because she showed me how to live my very best life. And she also showed me how to get up out of this life with mm. so much dignity. Mm -hmm and power i'm so sorry <laughs> oh please no this is great <laughs> i'm all about i'm all about tears and crying it's all good uh, and your story is so powerful raquel it's really yeah really moving me too what was your mom like i mean i i'm getting a sense of her just from these stories but tell me more about her like as as a as a mom as a person in the world as a oh, woman this unconditional love mm -hmm. um she made me feel like anything anything i was the most perfect anything i i, I wanted to do i could do it with ease mm. um, she just encouraged me so much Mm. to believe in myself and anything that I wanted was at reach. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, she really showered me with a lot of love. Mm. I remember a story you told me um, when we were both parents at the same school and I can't remember what had happened. Um, but there was some thing that happened with your daughter and you said, uh, my mother always taught me to walk tall and to be so proud of who I am. And I've always, you know, taught my daughter the same thing. And I just remember that was always my sense of you when I met you was how tall you are, <laughs> but it's not really your physical tallness. It's the way you carry yourself is so, straight and like your head is just always up you know when you say your mom noticed you that you had your head down like i can't i don't even remember a time when i've ever seen your head down like your head is always up <laughs> in such a proud and like beautiful way just the way you carry yourself has always struck me um the way that you move is just like so graceful and thoughtful you're never rushing you're never um you know, slouching, you're never, <laughs> you're, 
just not necessarily with my grandma. <laughs> yeah. Rob kicked in the back. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, my um, I was Queen of Sheba. Mm. Uh, that was always my name <laughs> mm. growing up. Mm. <clears throat> and my mother would tell me that I came from royalty. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how you that's how you carry yourself. Absolutely. Thank you. I love that. And um, I think it's a good way to move through the world. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Agree. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, and was your brother around and present in those in the time, you know, towards the end when she wasn't doing well and you had moved up there? Um. You know, it's funny you say that. My mother had said that I was the only one who could get my brother to leave my mother's home. Hmm. He had a condo, but he still chose to live at my mom's. Hmm. And so when my husband and I moved up to Seattle, he had to vacate the room because we needed it. (laughs) Yes, room. So we got into an argument because we needed somewhere to sleep and stay. And he had a condo to stay in. So go to the condo, go to your condo. Mm. Uh, But we all really kind of went into a shell and dealt with it dealt with my mother's passing as best we could individually. Mm. Yeah. I remember looking for my brother after my mother's funeral had ended and I didn't know where he was. I couldn't find him. And so that let me know, um, just, you know, give him some space. Mm. And so I took out space for myself and really um went through a really tough time um because even though i knew to trust in my faith i was completely lost i didn't know what to do where to go and it was only years after putting one foot in front of the other when i was introduced to yoga Hmm. that i found the inner healing um, that I was desperately in need of. Mm. Wow. And years later, therapy, um, which I wish I would have ran to uh, prior to my mother passing, right after she passed. Mm. You felt like it could have it could have helped you right away. Almost oh, definitely. Mm. And did it not occur to you to do anything like that? Or was it just like more of a resistance? My family, you could get sick from the neck down. But anything regarding mental health, you needed to pray harder. Um, You needed to be stronger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then there's just, so if you're not feeling like you're managing it, then I would imagine 
you would just feel like ashamed or I'm not strong enough or hard at, yeah, getting hard yeah. on yourself. Right. Yeah. Mm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. What's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And I experienced that. Um, I literally, um, six months prior to my mother passing, she took me to the hospital because I was overwhelmed, not just with my mother passing, being sick, but with my own life. Um, and I remember going and I couldn't leave. I had to stay. It was, I saw purple clouds. I, I don't know if that's okay to say. <laughs> I don't know what that uh, means. Well, I needed uh, some mental health support because mm -hmm. I felt like I, like something bad was going to happen to me. Like I was mm -hmm. running away from something and mm -hmm. I was experiencing a mental health crisis. And for years, I was always so afraid because I always thought like, you know, is this going to happen? Can is something wrong with me? Am I bipolar? Am I, mm. you know, what was that? Um, but I just think it was my body and 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 my mind shutting down, saying you need rest, you mm. need healing. You're completely overwhelmed. Mm. And was this a few years later, or when was this? This was six months before my mother passed. Oh, okay. After she came down to visit me with my brother and I could see she was so sick. I don't even know how she made it on the plane. Because mm. she was literally super sick. She was throwing up and I had to process what I saw. Right along with, you know, working and finding my own way in life. Mm -hmm. And I just moved. And then after that, you moved is when you moved up there. Exactly. Yes, mm -hmm. I knew I knew I had to be up there. I couldn't, you know, continue to go back and forth. Right. Even once I got to Seattle and when my mother was in hospice, every time I would leave, it would be like running back to hospice or you know if i had to go out to the store or anywhere running back because i i didn't want her to pass mm. and i wasn't there right i remember one time at hospice uh it was just on my heart get there get there now and i was tucking her in and she, i scared her mm. and she saw it was me Hmm. Yeah, these are powerful memories. And when she saw it was me, she was able to relax. Mm. And I was able to put the covers on her mm. and tuck her in. And oh my goodness, that's so priceless. Mm. 
some priceless memories she would tell me all the time. Uh, hold on to the good memories. Hold on to the good memories. Because that's really all we have. And that's really what all exists is love. Yeah. Mm. I was so thankful that I had moved to Seattle and was able to be there. Yeah. Hmm. And did Thank you? you. <laughs> I mean, it's been this is so good, but this is such a. Woo. I know, and we've been talking an hour, and we haven't even gotten to, like, half the questions. <laughs> Man. Um, okay. Listen, um, I do want to talk about your um, experience with cancer just on a kind of an emotional level, like, First of all, how old were you when you, how much later after your mom passed was it that you were diagnosed and, and how, um, I mean, I can only imagine what that was like. Just, can you tell me a little bit how that affected you emotionally? Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see here. I was, how old was I? 42. I was 42 when I was diagnosed and because of my mother's diagnosis, I knew exactly what I would do. Mm. And in that same moment, I completely understood why my mother chose to keep her cancer journey private. Mm. The moment they said, you are diagnosed with breast cancer, it was like instant, I completely understood. And what was it? Can you, can you say what that was? What was, what was it that kind of clicked? Uh, because I had to put on those shoes. I was able to stand in her shoes to see what it felt like, you know, from the outside looking in, we think we understand and we know, mm. but it's, different when you have to walk in those same shoes Mm. and put those shoes on ourselves. Yeah. So true. So I knew what to do. Um, And you know, who was such an inspiration and support was, and I don't know her um, at all. Angelina Jolie. She shared her mother's breast cancer. Yep. And she opted to have a double mastectomy and a hysterectomy. And it really encouraged me to do the same. Mm. Um, and I did. Wow. And I knew I was making a, a the right choice for myself. I remember when she did that and came out publicly about it. I thought that was incredible too. Um, Me too. So, so good. So, so this, so this was pre-diagnosis that you did that um, preventively or it was after your diagnosis, you decided to do after I see. Yeah. Just Mm -hmm. so that it, you know, to, to contain it. Right. Cause my mother had, 
a lumpectomy where she had a portion removed, but not her breast totally removed. Right. And I wanted to um, decrease my chances of passing from mm -hmm. breast cancer as much as I possibly could with the information that I had. It just felt right. It felt like that that's exactly what I would do too. And so when I was diagnosed, that's, that's what I did. I was diagnosed in September. I had a um, double mastectomy in November. And then I started chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I um, got to about the last couple of rounds and my body said, I've had enough, that's it. And I remember my mother unable to complete her chemotherapy. Mm. It, she just, it was too much. And I got to that same point when I got right to the end and the neuropathy was so bad in my hands and in my feet and my body just let me know enough this mm. is enough mm. and i had made the decision to add cannabis to my um, treatment plan mm -hmm. because cannabis has been scientifically proven to cause a cancer cell to turn on itself and kill itself called apoptosis. And if I would have known with all the cannabis around me growing up, I would have offered it to my mother mm. um, or found out about medicinal cannabis. Mm. And, oh, so yeah. this is so great. So this is what led you to your work, your current work. Yes. And do you want to talk about that a little bit, just as a, yeah. a way to plug okay. some of what you're doing and. Okay. So, um, I visited USC for my second opinion. She was the head of, um, oncology. Mm. I asked her about cannabis and she said for the nausea and pain, that it had, you know, it may provide some benefit. Mm -hmm. And it was a saving grace throughout my chemo. And I decided to have radiation done on one side because the cancer was found on one side only. Mm -hmm. And once I had completed all of my treatment, I began to use RSO oil, which is the, the, oil of the cannabis that is like straight from the plant. It's just the oil the resin from the plant. It's very strong. It's very powerful. Um, and I did that for a couple years and I still do for maintenance here and there. Um, and it's been a benefit for me. Mm. I mean, talk about full circle just to have 
you know, gone through everything you went through with your mom and then to go through it yourself, all that knowledge that you had. And it sounds like really trusting yourself um, and trusting your body to tell you what it needed and when, and that's just amazing and so inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. I'm such in gratitude for this opportunity. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm so grateful for our friendship and I'm so grateful to you. I feel like you've taught me so much um, in the work that we've done together as a, in, in a having a coaching relationship, but also just our friendship. And I feel like if we hadn't sat down that day on the beach and talked about our moms, we, this would never have happened, you know? So I, I'm grateful to our moms for bringing us together. <laughs> likewise, likewise. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and do you want to tell people uh, where they can find you? Because um, you do have a coaching business, which is amazing. Um, you're an amazing coach, um, a health coach, and Thank somebody you. who really helps people understand how to journey through um, any crisis, but even just to maintain their, their good health. So how do people find you? Uh, you can check me out at coachraykale.com. That is spelled uh, C-O-A-C-H-R-A-E-Q-U-E-L.com. And I can, I'll put that in the show notes too. Okay. And what's going to be on there besides the coaching business? Will there be other stuff having to do with... Um, cannabis and all of that part of your life? Yes, I am offering cannabis consulting um, as well as my coaching, holistic living, health and wellness. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yay. I'm so glad. Me too. I'm so glad we were able to do this and I'm so grateful having you in my life and thank you for your story. This was so moving and beautiful and I, I learned so much and we've talked about this stuff for years and I, I still didn't know a lot of it. And I really appreciate you sharing all those, those beautiful moments that you had with your mom. So. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share my experience. Thank you such healing today thank you so thank you for listening and if you enjoyed the podcast um, please like it rate and review it on all the platforms and tell your friends um, all of that really helps other people find the podcast and lastly I want to thank Josephine Weeks for the music this song Time Does Not Bring Relief is from her album We Fall <laughs>